Hey there, welcome to the She Connects podcast. I'm thrilled that you are here. My name is Susan Vandenhuvel, and I have the honor of being your host each and every week. She Connects is an extension of my ministry, She Rises, and allows me to connect with women in the online space. I wholeheartedly believe that we as women enjoy connecting with one another to share hearts, disappointments, dreams, any challenges that we're facing, and really to just do life together. The heartbeat behind this podcast is to help empower and equip you to step into all that God has for you to do in this world. I'll be sharing whatever God has placed on my heart for the week, and from time to time, I invite guests on the show that I personally have gleaned and been inspired from, people that I admire and I just maybe want to learn a little bit more from and that I believe you will appreciate listening to. So welcome. I cannot wait to connect with you today. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the She Connects podcast. Come on in. Let's connect today over a topic I really believe most of us and I'm going to just really go out on a limb here and say all of us have experienced, and that is shame. As I said last week, if you listened to last week's episode, I kind of gave a little sneak peek into this week's episode and really kind of what prompted this episode. Uh, It really kind of showed up loud and proud in my life a couple of weeks ago, and you know, I just really think that shame, it can be, it can be kind of subtle sometimes. It, I think that shame, it kind of shows up in different ways in our lives, but I think that all of us have, have experienced it. We know what it feels like. We know what it just kind of, um, what it kind of stirs up on the inside of us. We know what it, what it feels like, what it's, you know, trying to convince us of. We just, we know what it is, right? And if you're anything like me, you've even experienced it to the point where it has really kind of immobilized you. And, you know, I think that shame is such a bully. It backs us into a corner. It oppresses us. It pushes us down. It it just creates so many different things on the inside of us that I'm going to kind of dive into here this week. But, you know, I really hope that you feel encouraged this week after listening to this episode and that you are able to really discern between, is this God speaking to to me? Is this God placing this on me? Are these the thoughts that God thinks about me? Or is this shame? I'm going to really give you just some practical tips to be able to use as a filter in your life that I feel like the Lord has just really kind of given to me and helped me to implement in my own life as a filter to be able to discern what is really going on here. What is what is really the basis of how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, um, just really kind of what is going on here. And, you know, I'm sure that there are things that you maybe can add to this list of filters that I'm going to give to you here shortly. 
I would love to hear. I would love to hear what you use in your life as as just kind of a filter to be able to discern, is this shame or is this God? Because I think that we are better together and I, I really do believe that we can learn from one another. I can learn from you. I would love to hear what you use as a filter in your life. So interestingly enough, I, I looked up the definition of shame <laughs> And I think that because we are, we're all so familiar with it, we know what it is. I don't know that we necessarily need to look up the definition, but I really felt like, you know what, Merriam-Webster, whoever you are, um, you nailed this. Listen to this and see if any of this resonates with you. It's a painful emotion caused by guilt, shortcoming, or impropriety. It's a condition of humiliation and disgrace. And the synonyms to shame are cheapen, degrade, demean, discredit, disgrace, and dishonor. I think that about sums it up, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yep, I think that Merriam-Webster, you nailed that one right there. Well, like I said, shame it has shown up in my life in in a very, you know, just kind of a very type of different ways over the years. Um, it's not anything, you know, new to me by any stretch. It, it's been something that, you know, as gosh, as far as I can remember way back as, you know, even being just a little girl, I, I know what what shame feels like. Did I really necessarily understand that that's what I was feeling all of those years ago as a small child? Absolutely not. Oh my goodness. How could I have understood that? But, you know, at age 51, oh, I, I get it now. And, <laughs> and thanks be to God, I am able to, through the power of his Holy Spirit, be able to discern really kind of what is going on here. And, you know, like I said, sometimes, sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's sly, and other times it is loud and proud. A couple of weeks ago, it really showed up loud and proud in my life. And when it showed up, I was in, I was in a very public setting. It wasn't anything that I could really kind of navigate through in the privacy of my own home and behind closed doors. I was in a very public setting, surrounded by people, and I don't want to get into a whole bunch of details, but I was not able to slip away and go spend some time, you know, in my car or hang out in the bathroom or, you know, find find a, an empty space in the in the building that I was in. It just was not... It just was not uh, an option for me. I'll just put it that way. There was just not an option for me to be able to slip away. I needed to be present in in the atmosphere, in the environment that that I was in when it showed up. And so, oh my goodness, when it when it showed up in my life, like I said, it was loud and proud, and I. I still had just a couple more hours, you know, maybe even three hours that I needed to be at this particular place. And there was no going home. There was no me kind of bailing out or saying, you know what, something came up and I need to leave. Um, I got to go take this phone call or somebody needs me. I, that Those options just were not available to me. And I, I began to question 
how am I going to make it through the next two or three hours that I have to be here fully engaged, fully present with people, and there is no way around it. There's just no way around it. Uh, so what happened is I said something, and while my heart was in the right place, it wasn't received well. And I, I meant what I said to be encouraging and honoring to, to someone, but it just didn't go that way. It kind of went a little sideways. And I wonder if you can resonate with that. Have you ever said something and it just didn't come out the way that you wanted it to come out, the way that you intended, you know, in your mind, in your heart, you thought, you know, gosh, this is going to be so encouraging and it's, you know, just so sweet and sugary with a cherry on the top. <laughs> and only when it came out, it was more like a Sour Patch Kid. <laughs> Those candies, you know, like it was more sour than sweet. And, and have you ever just wanted to kind of rewind and can we just back up a minute and um, I want to recommunicate that. Let me give um, just another whirl at that. T let me take another stab at that. Only you can't, right? Because once something is said, it's out there. It is out there. And, and so, and then sometimes, I don't know about you, but when I try to kind of make up for, oh my gosh, I, that came out wrong and I didn't mean it to say that. This is what I meant. And sometimes that goes okay and other times it doesn't. And I just, like, I feel like I dig the hole even deeper. And I, oh man, it was just, it just did not go over well. It went over just like a lead balloon. <laughs> and so shame showed up really loud and proud and all of those feelings I mentioned as the definition of shame. Oh yeah, I was feeling every single one of them. I felt humiliated. I felt like, wow, I really fell short here. I felt disgraced. I felt like my reputation had been had been cheapened. The things that I stand for, the things that I value in wanting to add value to people's life and encourage people and, you know, just, you know, be a lifter of other people. And I really believe in the culture of honor. I just felt like all of that had been cheapened. I felt discredited and um, I just felt disgraced. And I, I felt like I want so badly to get my car keys, grab my purse and get in the car. And I wanted my foot to hook up with the gas pedal and drive as fast as, um, as fast as I could to my house, pull into the garage, shut the garage door, pull the shades and sit on the couch with a big bowl of ice cream and a dozen donuts and eat my feelings. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Oh my goodness. It was such a bully that day. And it, like I said, it backs us into a corner. And in my case, it just really, it just really showed itself in the very definition that I gave from um, Merriam-Webster. You know, questions like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? I should have said it like this, or 
Maybe not at all. You know, Susan, your heart does well, but sometimes you just have to shut your mouth and just, they don't need your encouragement. They don't need you to honor them. Just let it go. I just felt so humiliated. Here's the thing about shame. It stems from the enemy. It stems from the enemy. Shame is not from God. Let's just get that out in the open. Let's just make that point right from the get-go. Shame is not from God. I mean, the very definition that I gave you from Merriam-Webster, does that sound like anything that God would give to us? Does that sound like anything God would place upon us? I so hope that you are saying right now on the other end of this, no, <laughs> no, God does not think of me this way. God does not view me this way. This isn't how God leads me. Shame isn't something that he places upon me. And so if it's not from him, well, then where does it come from? If it's not from him, it has to come from somewhere, right? And if it's not from him, it's from the enemy. Let me let me just kind of begin to break this down for us. The the opposite of shame, I believe is grace. The opposite of shame is grace. Shame is um let me just kind of differentiate these two things for us. Shame is the lens in which we see ourselves through. Grace is I may have did something wrong or it didn't go as I had hoped but I'm not what I did or the result or the outcome. In other words, that's not who I am. That's not my identity. Shame wants us to believe that that is our identity and that's what we see ourselves through, but that's not grace. Grace is we are not the failures that we've had. Shame says you have failed at something, therefore you are a failure. Shame says you've made a mistake, therefore you are a mistake. See how that happens there? Well, grace says, look, you may have failed at some things, but that's not who you are. That's not your identity. You've maybe made a few mistakes, but that's not who you are. That's, uh, there's grace for those things. There's grace for those things, and thank God there's grace for those things. Shame makes us withdraw, but grace motivates us to change. Shame oppresses, grace lifts. Shame comes from Satan, grace is given to us by Jesus. I mean, those are just so, so clear and definitive ways to be able to begin to see what is really going on here. I mean, what a what a powerful filter right there to be able to distinguish between shame and grace. You know, if you aren't aware, I uh, I authored my my third book. I'm a three-time author and that was published and released let's see, last September. It's called Her Heart is Free. You can grab it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. You can even get it on my website. And if you choose to get it on my website, shameless plug, that goes straight into the She Rises ministry and helps me to continue doing what I'm doing, um, advancing the message of She Rises. But I just want to read an excerpt of this book as it kind of relates to what we're talking about this week. And so this is, this is taken from Her Heart is Free, 
This is the chapter called She Belongs. It's chapter four, She Belongs. And, you know, just kind of talking about that we are not an orphan, that we're a citizen of heaven, that we don't have to settle for scraps, that we don't have to walk around with a shame-based mindset, but there's grace. And and so anyway, okay, so I want to read this excerpt to you. I am so adamant about teaching women their identity that I will preach that message until I take my last breath on this side of heaven. When you don't live from the truth of who you are in Christ, essentially what you are choosing is living a life that is less than what Jesus gave his for you to have. Philippians 3.20 in the message version says, but there is far more to life for us. We are citizens of high heaven. This scripture has come so alive to me in the past few months. I am not an orphan. I have citizenship in heaven, seated in heavenly places, at a table prepared for me by my host, Jesus himself. I have a place. I belong. And so do you. Part of your identity is a citizen of heaven, seated in high places, prepared for you by your host, Jesus. The invitation he has given you is not from the outside looking in, wishing what she had at the table could be yours. It already is. I am not a beggar satisfied with scraps and the occasional bone tossed my way. I am the daughter of the king and my name is written at the table. He has given me a position in him. He calls me Susan his beloved, and reminds me how often he takes delight in me. And so are you. You are his. You belong to him. Your name is written at the king's table. He has given you a position in him. He calls you by your name, says you are his beloved, and takes great delight in you. Identity plays a crucial role in your freedom. You and I cannot be passive about living from this truth. The world is loud. It serves us a buffet of things to try to make us feel seen, loved, valued, and worthy. Pass on by, friend. Do not settle for a buffet when you've been invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8. Can you hear the invitation? An invitation to draw close, experience him in his fullness, and live freely in who he says you are. Go ahead. Pull up to the table. Here's why we cannot afford to be women who are passive about living in the truth. There is too much at stake. Think of all that has been stolen from you when you have not lived from that truth. Allow me to go first. Everything you have and will read in this book is a direct result of me not living in the truth of who I am in Christ. Years have been stolen from me. Relationships have suffered promises have been broken, unwise decisions have been made, countless sleepless nights have been logged because my mind was so tormented. Guilt, shame, and regret were the only three pieces of garments hanging in my closet. I doubt I need to go on. But here's some good news. Joel chapter 2 verse 25 gives us this promise. The Lord says, I will give back to you what, what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. Of course, this is a metaphor. We can gain from, what we can gain from this 
is that while we may not be able to get years back in that we cannot rewind time, God does redeem situation situations and gives us double for our trouble. See Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 7. He has restored me, redeemed me, and reconciled me back to him and his fullness. Satan feels threatened as, as his plan for you when you rise to step out of the shadows and become all Jesus says you are. I do not think it is a coincidence that way back at the beginning of time, he planned to make Eve question her identity. Her short but powerful story is found on the pages of Genesis chapters 2 and 3. God created Eve in his image, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. I can only imagine what life was like for her living in the Garden of Eden. In my mind, I like to think she was living a life of freedom, the kind that is meant for you and me too. I doubt she was second-guessing her life, who she was, or even turned her nose up at her body image. She was free until she wasn't. Satan, being the slippery, cunning snake that he is, tempted her to think somehow God had cheated her. It all started with one question. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree of every tree of the garden? Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Allow me to make this plain and simple. Satan was tempting Eve to believe what God had given her wasn't enough and that she should have more. Only Eve already had what she needed, and the more Satan was tempting her with wouldn't bring her more freedom. Remember, up to this point, she was already living a life of freedom. You and I would do well to grab a hold of a timeless truth here. Yes, we will be tempted to think that we do not belong and are less than who God says that we are, but at some point we need to be women who stand up on the inside of ourselves and say no. No, I will not listen to these voices telling me things contrary to God's. No, I will not listen to lies. No, I will not spend any more of this life given me by hating what I see when I look in the mirror, not accepting God's invitation to live a life of abundance. No, I will not continue to refuse his invitation to be seated at the table he has prepared for me. No, I will not continue to live life as an orphan when he has called me his own. It is time to rise. It is time to stand up. It is time, friend and fellow daughter of the king, to straighten the crown on your head, rise and come out of the shadows to the place that he has for you. The day that David, and just a little sidebar, David uh, in the Bible, David, Goliath, and his family are the main characters of the book that I wrote, Her Heart is Free. The day David decided it was his time, he came out from the shadows, was the day all Israel had been waiting in all their waiting, they were hoping one of those men in the army would stand up to Goliath. They were waiting for someone to rise in their potential and become who they were created to be. They needed a brave warrior that would not cower in fear of Goliath. Little did they know it would be the shepherd boy David. When David showed up, his brothers thought he was out of his mind. He was an errand runner, not a brave warrior. They underestimated who David was created to be, thinking he could handle following sheep around and carrying lunch sacks. They didn't think David belonged where they stood. 
His brothers thought they were stronger, better fitted, and more mature to take on the giant standing in his clunky armor. Oh, but God, when he places you somewhere, it is because he knows you are ready. When he puts you somewhere, the opinions of others, they don't matter. When he places you somewhere, it is because you have gone through the preparation needed, and a woman's place is wherever he puts her. Friend, the world is waiting for you to become all God has created you to be. Before you can do that, you first have to understand that you are seated in high places with Jesus. Understand the table that he invites you to sit at doesn't require you to stand in line waiting as if you are at your favorite restaurant. Listen, and I'll leave it there, um, that excerpt from, from my book. Listen, that day two weeks ago when shame showed up so loud and proud, it, it just really attacked my gifts. It attacked my calling because the remainder of those two or three hours at the place that I was at, it required me to function in the gifts and the calling that God has upon my life. And shame attacks the very thing that God has called us to. Shame attacks our gifts. Shame attacks our identity. Shame attacks what God has placed on the inside of us. There's a reason why shame doesn't attack how well I can cook. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't feel I don't feel shame. I don't feel bullied and backed into a corner when I burn supper. I just don't. I laugh it off. I don't even think about it. I don't feel any ounce of shame and bullied and backed into a corner when I, you know, mess up supper plans or I didn't plan right or I run out of food, um, you know, and I have guests over. We laugh it off and I don't know, here's dessert. Let's fill up on dessert. I don't think about that. Why? Because God has not called me and gifted me in the kitchen. That is not the lane that God has called me to. That's not my calling on the earth. He has not called me to to have my own cooking show and to have my own cooking magazine and teach people how to be efficient in the kitchen. He has called me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has called me and gifted me to effectively communicate the gospel. He has gifted me and called me to impact the lives of other people for the kingdom of God for all of eternity. And so that day, two weeks ago, when shame from the devil showed up so loud and proud, he was trying to attack what God has called me to do. And he didn't want me to operate in my gifts. He didn't want me to operate in my calling for the, the remainder of those two or three hours that I needed to be there and I needed to lead and I needed to facilitate the remainder of our time together. Um, he didn't want me to operate in that. Why? Because he's threatened by, um, by you and I rising up in what God has called us to do and especially rising up in who we are in Christ. Because I tell you something, when we are no longer running around insecure and trying to 
find our our value and our worth and all these things that that the that the world says that we're going to find it in and we understand and are fully aligned with um with how God sees us and how he sees our lives and how he sees our future he Satan loses that hold upon us and so no wonder he wants to bully us with shame and back us into a corner so let me give you just a few things as a just kind of to be able to identify shame in your life and you know just uh, practical type things that you can just kind of add you know tools in your toolbox that you can use really for the rest of your life it's not an exhaustive list but there are um, these are just really things again that the Lord has helped me over the years to be able to really identify what is going on here and once I can identify and I'm aware of of what's going on just like I did two weeks ago it kind of bullied me and I was backed into a corner figuratively speaking you know for a little bit but I didn't sit there as long as I have you know years ago years ago I would not even be able to sit here and talk talk to you about overcoming shame two weeks after the incident happened I mean I would be in a pit that long all right so identifying shame and you can just kind of use these again it's not an exhaustive list but just giving you some tools to put in your toolbox you have difficulty separating guilt and shame you have a, di um, a difficulty separating guilt versus shame. You have a difficulty looking at people when having a conversation because shame kind of makes us feel humiliated and we kind of hang our head, you know, we have a hard time looking at people. You often withdraw out of fear of what others might think about you. You shrink back when asked about your opinion on any matter. Because maybe, let's say for an example, maybe you've done that in the past and it really wasn't well received. Kind of like my example that I shared a couple of weeks ago. And so, you know, shame wants to convince me that I can't use my words to encourage people. And so then shame would, you know, if I'm listening to that and I'm operating out of that, then I would never want to encourage people out of fear that I might say it wrong. I might get it wrong again. Number five, you don't offer your whole self in healthy relationships. Number six, you don't offer your whole self in your relationship with God. Number seven, you speak about yourself in reference to what you have done. For example, you say things like, I always fail. All I ever do is make mistakes. I always make bad choices. Number eight, you believe if others really knew, um, knew things about you, they would no longer want to be your friend. Number nine, you don't pursue things that you enjoy or further develop the God-given potential line within you because of what you've done wrong in your past. You, you've maybe failed at some things or you've made some mistakes in the past and so you're kind of afraid to step back out again. Uh, number 10, when you look at your future, you see through the lens of your past or what others 
think about you. In other words, you know, you've kind of taken on shame because of maybe labels that somebody has placed upon you, upon you or labels that you've placed upon yourself or things kind of in your past, you know, and so you're you're unable to see your your life or your future through the lens of heaven and through the lens of faith, through the through the the eyes of God because you're filtering it through shame. All right. So that was a lot. Um, I hope that you got something out of this. I hope that you just were able to really kind of be able to take some tools and add it to your toolbox to be able to filter really what is what is going on here. Why, you know, am I feeling kind of like I want to withdraw? Why is that? Is this shame? Is this something, is God just kind of wanting me to kind of just step back a little bit or am I feeling shame? You know, there, there's a difference here. And so remember that shame is not from God, that that shame wants to push you down and oppress you, but grace wants to lift you, okay? Sh- uh, grace wants to, wants to lift you. Shame wants to oppress you and push you down. There is a difference. All right. So I would love to hear what you gained, what the Lord just spoke to you um, from this from this episode and maybe even share anything anything that you have found in your own life that you use as a filter you know just to kind of be able to discern the difference between shame and and grace is this shame or is this God is this you know is this the enemy is is this the Lord um, I would love to hear because like I said I think that we can learn from one another so with that, Have a great rest of your week. Remember that God is for you. He is with you. He is beside you. And his grace is upon you, okay? His grace is limitless. His grace abounds to you. And it is how he leads you. It is what he has clothed you in. All right, have a great rest of your week. Stay well. Love you guys, and I'll catch you next time. Well, I hope that that was a blessing in your life. I'd love to hear what you walked away with from this week's episode. Drop a comment and let me know. I read and respond to each and every one of them, and I would love to hear from you. We all know people who could use some encouragement, especially nowadays, right? If you felt this episode was a blessing to you, would you share it with the people in your life? Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode because a new one drops each and every Wednesday. And would you be willing to leave a review and maybe even a few stars? It not only fills my heart and means so much to me, but it helps women find the podcast and be encouraged too. Have a fabulous week and I will connect with you right back here next week.